boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Hello, good morning and welcome to another edition of Talking Greyhounds. Trent Mason Elder is my name, I'm your host. Joining me is Simone Fisher. Simone, good morning. Good morning, Trent. Uh, another nice lot of spring weather we've had. Oh, it's been absolutely beautiful. Unfortunately, the forecast not too good for the speed star on Sunday. We'll get uh, Mick Floyd uh, on the show later. Who else we got coming up on today's show? Also got uh, retiring race caller from Queensland, Paul Dolan. Can't wait to have a chat to him. Okay, so Mick Floyd from CNN and Paul Dolan, our special guests on the show today. What's been making news? The Hillsville Cup last week, Trent, uh, was full of surprises with 23 to 1 shot Kuta Mayhem getting up. Um, he was a finalist last year, but this year he upstaged some of these more fancy rivals after getting away to a, a really good start. And it is a family affair for Jason Sharp, the trainer. Of course, his son Liam was a handler. And at 17, I think he's probably got bragging rights at school <laughs> the next day um, about handling a group winner. Terrific effort. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, $23 for the winner. But he, he was out of form, but uh, came back with a heat win and then came out and won the final. Uh, Baruga Brett, unfortunately, we both uh, were pretty confident and looked to be the winner there at one stage. Yeah, he did. Um, perhaps it's just not his distance, really, but um, I thought we were on a good thing there, Trent. Never mind. Not to be. You've got some news on Sweet It Is. Yeah, she's just paid a visit to Aston DB. Ray Border informed me that none of her pups will be for sale as he is purchasing the whole litter, which will be her last. She's had three litters and um, has produced the smart Aston Cometo and often imitated, amongst others. She also has a litter on the ground that is six months old uh, today, I think, um, to Fernando Bale. So looking forward to what's ahead for Sweet It Is. GRV have a new board member, Bendigo lawyer Marika McMahon. Marika has an interest in racing and quite a substantial legal background. She is replacing Jacqueline Billings, who's now stepped down due to career appointments. And uh, GA, they've revised a new policy regarding the issues of passports for dogs heading overseas, intending to travel to unregulated destinations. Um, Asia is one of those. So whereby in the past they may have issued a passport if... Um, the person could prove that they were going to a place that was of good enough standards. Now it's just a, a flat no. Well, it's looking that way. So GR, GA are seeking feedback from participants by the 21st of September. Uh, and there's a, a big announcement from the Victorian government regarding uh, muzzling for greyhounds effective the 1st of January next year. That's right, Trent. Um, this does concern me. Greyhounds that are pets or no longer racing will not be required to wear a muzzle in public at all. And I don't even think they need to wear their green collars anymore. And that's regardless of whether a greyhound's been through GAP, is rehomed directly from a trainer or through one of the other fostering agencies that are around, um, the 28-day wind-down wind period still applies. So that does mean that a greyhound has to wait at least 28 days after racing to be rehomed. But my concern is that there um, are going to be some people that just do not know enough about the breed getting greyhounds uh, and thinking that they're safe to have because they're such a placid dog, live on the couch, they're great around my little dog at home, but they don't actually understand that out in the public where you've got small fluffy dogs, you've got mm. other dogs, these dogs can be couch potatoes one minute, but their natural instinct just kicks in. And the amount of greyhounds that I've heard getting off the leash because the owners aren't having them tied enough, the collars, yep. and it's not always through negligence or ignorance, it's just through lack of education, is really concerning. I I think we've come a long way from the muzzles equals vicious um, scenario. I think people, the public, yep. generally now are aware that 
that's just how it's been laws and it actually protects the greyhounds as well. But I just wonder, in 28 days, you know, some dogs just have an injury for 28 days and are in the kennel, might not be getting worked. But 28 days is not going to eliminate that natural instinct out in the public. So I hate to be so negative on this, but I just think perhaps we shouldn't just be focusing on that. There should be, there's more to the picture. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's a big, it's a, it's a very important issue. Um, obviously, with the, the community involved, so it's one we really need to take seriously. So uh, watch this space. Um, the uh, adoption day coming up as well. We've got another one coming up. Yes, we do. So I mean, this is the positive part. Yeah. Gap are getting so many dogs out into the community and homes, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. But I think we just need to not become complacent with some of the procedures, or and this is a government policy too, the muzzles thing. So it's not actually. Um, perhaps it's not written or endorsed by people that are savvy with the breed. But, however, like you mentioned, the adoption day coming up on Saturday the 6th of October where more than 30 dogs will be up for adoption. And that's a wonderful way for people to go and learn about the breed and and see what it's about. And and these dogs have been assessed as to their suitability as well. So it's probably a little bit more of a safer way, I guess, um, of doing things. All right, Simone, let's go have a chat to our first guest from Sandown, Mick Floyd. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And all the action is at Sandown Park tomorrow afternoon. And joining me now is Michael Floyd from Sandown. Good morning, Mick. Good morning, Simone. Gee, what a terrific program you've got lined up tomorrow. We'll just look at probably the three main speed star matches, the 595, the 515 and the 715. So number two, the 595, Tornado Tears. So Robert's opted to go for the middle distance with his greyhound. Yeah, not a big surprise there. Of course, uh, Tornado Tears and the little brother, Riven Sam, are phenomenal greyhounds over the staying trip. But uh, when you got two that good, you might as well split them and have a crack at both. He won them both last time out. And uh, uh, no reason to think it would be any different this time. His, uh, his form is just extraordinary. You know how good a dog he is. And drawing the inside against the kennel mate, Benali, he does look very hard to beat again. He does. Benali has a 33.88 um, qualifying time there, so very fast as well. But it really does look like it will be Tornado Tears. Neo Cleo has been racing in terrific form. She's run a 33.94 around that trip as well. So she may be hard to beat in the last speed star over the 5.95. Yeah, she's in great form. Uh, it's, a, it's probably the most intriguing match of that series. Uh, uh, Neo Cleo uh, is racing in tremendous form, but Ella Enchanted has come down from New South Wales in the care of Brooke and Jamie Ennis now. And uh, Her trial last Sunday was just extraordinary. She went 33.88, and uh, Jamie said after the, after the trial that um, there's plenty more improvement left in her. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating uh, encounter, and uh, it's about $1.90 each or two. It's, uh, it's, it's one for the punters there. Sure is. It does look exciting there. And like you say, Ella Enchanted, she has had that 33.88. So it will be a tough ask, I guess, for Neo Cleo. But um, she's got a terrific record there. Four wins and two placings from her eight starts over that trip. So I think uh, probably the 5.95 will be the one that I'm looking most forward to seeing. I think we've got Zara's Entity there, Lila Bale, Dinah Chance, Big Bang Tears, uh, the other races as well. So I think this is the one that I'm looking forward to seeing the most. Yeah, the depth's extraordinary, uh, and same for the 700. We're, uh, yeah, the, the depth of the staying ranks of the dogs over the middle distance can vary a lot, but at the moment we've got a really, really good crop. Uh, Dinah Chance is a greyhound that keeps getting under people's guard. He qualifies for all three series, and uh, Corey Grenfell's decided to go for the 595. I think that is his best distance. And uh, Look, if he gets a, a, you know, he will get a clear run, if he can put his best foot forward, he's, he's capable of running 3380s, and that's, uh, that's certainly given him a place chance at least for the, 
over all times. Without a doubt, Speedstar number three or race three, Hecton Bale and Poke the Bear, Morris Minor, My Redeemer. Um, gee, this is another really hot series. Um, Dinah Paddy, the defending champ, comes up against Orson Allen and, of course, Elevated and uh, not available. So some depth here as well, Mick. Certainly is. All these greyhounds have raced in uh, group company. All of them have made group one finals. Four of them have won at group one level. It just shows how good they are. and They're all exceptionally fast. There's not a lot between them at their best. Uh, and a lot of them, excuse me, a lot of these greyhounds have had uh, experience in this format as well. Of course, Dinah Patty winning it last time. Not available has won two constellation series in this format. Um, Myra Deemer, of course, was uh, one of the top seeds last time. So plenty of depth throughout. And uh, that's without even mentioning Peckton Bale and Poke the Bear, who uh, <laughs> are still the favourites for this series. So it's just an extraordinary uh, lineup on Sunday. Myra Deemer is probably his own worst enemy at Box Rise, but given it's only two greyhounds in this, he really has a chance to get out and get going. And um, that 29.12 PB that he has, um, we may see him get back to somewhere near that. Yeah, and if he can, he's going to be hard to beat. I don't think any of the greyhounds here can run those sort of times. I'm just not sure if he's quite going as well as he was when he set that time back in May. Now, interesting, interestingly, Morris Minor, uh, who will, who will uh, meet in this match race here, uh, ran his qualifying time of uh, 29.202 in the same race, ran into Myra Deem early May, and uh, those two times have stood up since. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating encounter. Morris Minor, of course, has uh, uh, been racing in fantastic form. We saw him here at the Nationals, and uh, he's trialled before then, uh, I think you can draw a little bit of uh, uh, bit of form from that. He's been at uh, Albion Park in three over the three ninety five at Albion Park, and went within a half length of the track record. And uh, in this format, the times are everything. So he's certainly racing uh, as fast as he ever has. And then the speed star for the Stayers over the seven fifteen, which is race number four. And uh, Rip and Sam comes up against Moment to Jive. He has everything going for him here, Rip and Sam. He has only one other dog to contend with. Um, on paper, he should just be too good and you would expect that he might be the overall winner. But um, what are your thoughts, Mick? Yeah, hard to disagree with that. He's, uh, he's a flying machine, Rip and Sand. 700 definitely years ago. We saw in the Battle of the Brothers, he uh, just wasn't quite sharp enough against his little brother, Tornado Tears. But uh, there's no Tornado Tears in this event. It's him on his own. And as we saw in the last beat, uh, he was dominant in that race. Uh, on a rain-affected track, and it was quite heavy that night. We reckon it was about four lengths off by the time he went around. He won in 41.475, which uh, will be more than fast enough to beat this lot. And that's not a uh, that's not a knock on the rest of the field here. We've had 19 greyhounds qualify for this series, breaking 42 seconds, which just shows uh, how good the staying crop is at the moment. But uh, unfortunately for them, they've run into two freaks in 28 years. And it's Sam. <laughs> yes, I know. You, you sort of think, oh, I'd love to have a good stayer. And then you, you, know, you get a good one, an exceptional one, but you come up against two more exceptional ones. And it's just the way there's always going to be... Um, you know, that whatever moment in time you've got a good dog. But um, there is, like you say, a lot of depth. And I think that's probably what makes it all the more interesting because there are times where you don't have the depth. You have good dogs. They can run good times. But, um, you know, these times are very close summit for these other dogs. Oh, they are. And, yeah, it wasn't that long ago if the dog broke 42 seconds at the 700 would be uh, would be spruiking him as one of the uh, one of the real exciting stays in the country. And uh, um, as I said, 19 greyhounds at the start of May have broken 42 seconds. It's uh, nothing's changed in uh, uh, in track preparation or conditions. It's just a, a sign of the quality of the greyhounds. It's um, it really is quite extraordinary and uh, it makes for a fascinating series. The Ribbon Sam is obviously going to be hard to beat, but I don't think there's a whole lot between the if every other greyhound puts their best foot forward, there's not a whole lot between them. So um, for the, for the miners, it's certainly going to be keenly contested. 
It sure will, and I think it's just been such a terrific concept, so widely received, and um, great to see that Sandown keep going ahead with this because we don't lose any interest in match races. It just seems to gather more momentum, so you must be looking forward to tomorrow night. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's grown year on year. Uh, this is the seventh Speedstar series we've run now. It's the third time we've run an entire meeting in match races, and everyone's gotten significantly bigger than the other. It's uh, It's been quite uh, fascinating to see the whole concept evolve and how the punters have received it. It is a, a fantastic series. It's great for the sports punters. It doesn't need a lot of form. We're just finding the fastest dog head-to-head. You can multi it up. You take a sports betting approach. It's easy for the, uh, for non-greyhound racing fans to, to really get into and uh, get involved. And, of course, with a race every or a match every seven minutes or so, uh, it's non-stop action. So it's, uh, it's a great fun night, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Like they say, rapid-fire racing. Mick, uh, thanks for your time this morning. Hope all goes well out at Sandown tomorrow night. I'm sure it will, and uh, looking forward to seeing some of these match races. So am I. Thank you very much, Simone. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Away. Rip and Sam last to go. Tornado tears out well, but Benali is charging through. So Benali takes the lead a length and a half. Tornado tears perfectly positioned. Gallantippi Gold is third, followed there by Sins Magic, and then came Jalapeno. Rip and Sam second last. Ebby Ripper is the last one. Into the back, and Benali out by a length. Tornado tears was searching for an inside run. No, he took to the outside now. Two lengths away, Gallantippi Gold, and then came Sins Magic. Rip and Sam a Dickens of a long way off them, followed by Jalapeno, and then came Ebby Ripper on the top. Top turn, Tornado Tears went up and took the lead away from Benali. It's Tornado Tears in front, Gallantippi Gold running a cheeky race, but it's Sandown Cup, Albion Park, Gold Cup, doubled at Tornado Tears by four lengths. Jalapeno grabs second, Rip and Sam late on the scene, would probably get third in front of either Gallantippi Gold and Sins Magic. And further back then came Ebby Ripper, and alongside that Greyhound was Benali. Three Tornado Tears now, 41-33, ladies and gentlemen. We have ourselves a track record. And the voice of Albion Park, Paul Dolan, is joining us this morning on Talking Greyhounds. Good morning, Paul. Hello, Simone. Good morning, all. Oh, Paul, that call, an absolutely terrific call, painted the perfect picture. Do you still get chills listening to that? Yeah, you do, but, um, you know... Greyhounds of that quality sort of help you out. You know, they, they, they do something special. We, we just we just say what's happening. Um, well, Trent, my co-host in the studio this morning, he was there that night. And Trent, an exciting race as oh, well. Oh, it was unbelievable. It's the first time I'd seen him live and uh, I had high expectations and he certainly dis- didn't disappoint. And Paul, and you remember the call, he, uh, he got checked. He got into a lot of trouble and he still broke the track record. It was phenomenal. Yeah, and broke the track record the week before as well. Yes, Trent, uh, you know... Tornado Tears, he doesn't look like he's going fast. He's got a like a daisy cutter action, I suppose, might be one way to describe it. He doesn't look like he's going that fast, but he certainly is, yeah. He sure is. And, Paul, um, just wanted to touch base with you today with your impending retirement. Um, right back in 1973, I believe, you began your calling career. Can you take us back before then, um, how it all started, how you decided that you wanted to be a race caller? Yeah, Simone, I grew up in Brisbane and my mum was a punter. She'd go to the Brisbane races, the horse races every Saturday. And when I was about 12, she took me along to Albion Park, which in those days was a sand horse track before the, before the greyhounds were ever there. And I was captivated by the, uh, not only the, uh, you know, the racing and all that, but the race caller coming over the speaker. His name was Keith Nowd and we also had Vince Curry here in Brisbane. And then mum took me to Doomban one day. I'd never seen horses running on grass and green grass because I'd only ever seen them on black and white TV. Um, and I was captivated by Doombin, and then she took me to Eagle Farm, which was our main track here, and still be, will be when it opens, and that was just too much. It was just, it was just picturesque, 
uh, a big track, everything, not a blade of grass out of sight. I was captivated by the, the whole theatre of the, of the racing. Uh, but in, again, by, 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 the, by the job the race caller did, and I was just sort of fascinated by, the, by, by the, what the, how they spat out the names, and I, I thought, well, gee, one day I wouldn't mind having a go at that. And then when the Greyhounds started in Brisbane at the Gabba in 1972, we went along on the opening night, you know, 11,000 people there under the lights, and a great race caller named Mick Cox calling, well, that got me. I was just hooked. I had to try and be part of it. Well, let's just take a step back. I think your mum sounds pretty cool to a lot of people who may be listening to this show. Your mum was the punter taking her around to the races. I don't know there's too many mums that would be doing that. Dad was a cricketer. He was actually a very good cricketer, my dad. He he was in the Queensland Sheffield Shield squad. He didn't actually play, but he was in the squad. You know how they pick 18 players? Um, he was a wicket keeper and a batsman. Unfortunately, Ken Mackay and Wally Grout were the great Queensland cricketers. So Dad, but Dad was a very good cricketer. So his loves were cricket and rugby league, and Mum loved the horses and later the dogs. Oh well, that's terrific. And then a man called Harry Harry Pledger. He um, played a big part in getting you calling, didn't he? He did because um, I thought, well, what do you do? I'm, I'm 19, and you know, in 1973, I, 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 you, just, you just don't walk up to Mick Cox and say, "I want to take your job." <laughs> You've got to go about it the right way. So I wrote letters to every greyhound club in South East Queensland. There were a lot of them at that stage, uh, asking if I could come along and meet the caller, who would have been Mick in some cases. Anyway, the only one to write back was Harry Pledger from Border Park Tweeds. He said, "You're welcome to come down here and meet our caller." He was a guy named Martin Ross. I went down, and it so happened Martin was looking for an, out- an offsider, and they ran maiden qualifying trials after the last. He said, "Have a go at these." And I thought, I've just turned up and he's putting me on them already anyway. I handled them all right. And he said, I want to go to the grand final in Sydney, the rugby league grand final in Sydney in a fortnight's time so you can do the meeting for me. So oh. it, it was clearly a case of just being in the right place at the right time. Uh, were you nervous about that first race calling? Oh, yeah, 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 you bet. <laughs> how, how do you overcome those nerves? Because even for me, I mean, I'm quite comfortable with media, but to actually think I've got to call all these greyhounds in maybe 30 seconds or less if it's a shorter race... How do you actually prepare for that? Well, when you're a beginner, I actually used to learn the names the night before. So, you know, one, the red, two, the stripe, three, the white. I'd have these coloured crayons. I'd learn them the, the night before, before I went to bed, uh, with a view to getting them, you know. The trouble was, when I woke up the next morning, I'd forgotten them, so I had to start again. <laughs> you just have to put more... I think when you're a beginner, you have to put more more time into to studying the colours, associating the names with the colours, and uh, the, I reckon as you, as, as, you, as you do more of them and you, you get more used to them at the... The task of memorising those names becomes a, comes a little bit easier. Has calling greyhounds been your favourite code, or have you enjoyed the other two codes as well? Haven't done many trots, but um, look, I enjoy them for what they are. The trots go slower, but you, you can be more descriptive. The, the thoroughbreds are a challenge because you've got fields of you know, sixteen and eighteen. But I guess I wouldn't like to say I prefer one over the other, Simone, because they've been very kind to me. But I, I guess if I've made a name as a greyhound caller, that's fine. That's a cap I'm, I'm quite comfortable with. But, look, I, I equally enjoy calling the, the other two codes as well. Paul, Flying Amy, Dashing Corsair, just to name a few, you would have seen some greats over the years. Have you got a favourite? I do, Trent. And the great dog, and he's not a Queenslander, uh, Rapid Journey. I always say that Rapid Journey is the best dog I've seen, and I still say it, even though Fernando Bale and Brett Lee and company have come along. Um, like in 1998, he was a Sydney trained dog, trained by Jane and Jane John Carruthers. Yeah. yeah, 
Uh, he won the Adelaide Cup, the Top Gun, the Golden Easter Egg, the Melbourne Cup and the Perth Cup, all in 1988. I mean, he was a phenomenal dog. And the thing about him, Simone, you, you, you'd remember uh, when you, you'd been in your 20s, I suppose, he didn't win them with a brilliant jump all the time. He could get back in the field. And the night he won the National Distance Championship at Cannington, I was there, he was sixth when they were coming off the back and real good dogs in front. He weaved his way through. He was an amazing dog. Oh, he's, he's my favourite. He was a revelation at the time and I rem- remember he cracked up. It was $530,000 in stake money. I mean, back, like you're talking, 20 years ago, that was just unheard of. Yeah, um, and, and that record prize money stood for about 10 years before you know various clubs started putting on these quarter of a right. million dollar races. Like, he, when he won... Um, when he won uh, the Group Ones, they were worth forty thousand or fifty thousand. You know, now now they're worth you know quarter of a million, or in the case of the Melbourne Cup, what is it, four hundred and thirty five thousand. So, if, if he raced in today's era, he'd have been very much a million dollar man and a bit more. No doubt about it, uh, Paul. What are some of the highlights personally for you in your career, Simone? Um, I've always regarded calling races as as a privilege that people invite you into their life, whether it's you know, listening on the car radio or at their home or in their TAB, you know, it might only be for 30 seconds while you're broadcasting a race or it might be for three or four hours for the duration of a race meeting. But I, I just feel as though, um, you know, the, the chance to sort of be part of people's lives, you're, like, you're sort of like their friend, especially if you call the right words for them. <laughs> so that's, if, I'd hope that doesn't sound sort of corny, but I, I've just regarded as a... As a sort of, I'm working for the punter. I know we're working for everyone's important the owner, the trainer, the breeder, the race clubs, all that. But I've always considered I'm working for the punter and feel privileged that the punter has invited me into his, his and her lives, I say, for, for whatever period of time. And the other thing is the great callers I've met who've become friends, and there's too many to mention, but in, in the case of Victoria, you know, Ronnie Hawksville, Rob Tester, Paul Hammond, um, in the thoroughbred game, you know. Greg Miles, I can just pick up the phone and have a yarn to Greg. It's, I have, have had the privilege to work with the top bracket of callers and the, in the very, you know, vast majority of them are just damn good blokes. And I guess, you know, it must be very um, humbling to think that you're up in that league as well if you've had a career that spanned over four decades. Uh, Paul, with the last meeting coming up next week that you'll be calling, how are you feeling? Um, I'm happy to, to, to bow out, Simone, not that I'm disillusioned or anything like that, but I'll tell you a little story. About four months ago, I, t- I turned 65 in May, and I was never going to work much past 65. And Greg Miles said when he hung up the, the binoculars, he was 58. People said, why is he retiring? And he said, better to go too early than too late. And mm. I sort of subscribed to that. But about probably four months ago, I live up halfway between Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast. I was coming home from an Albion Park meeting, and I fell asleep at the wheel. I was only about four k's from home. Fell asleep at the wheel. I believe they call it a micro sleep and then I was awoken by the rocking of the car as it was going down this embankment it wasn't a steep embankment but that woke me up and then I saw this massive drain big concrete drain so I swerved the car and I I missed it by a smidgen it was a photo finish and I I got shaken up by that and I thought no I don't need to I don't need to be out at half past 11 or midnight getting home allowing this sort of thing to happen so that 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 made me decide yeah time to go so um that, that's that's what's happening. And no doubt you'll be an avid follower of the hounds and the horses in your retirement? Oh, yeah, I love, love a day and night at the uh, at the races. And, yeah, broad, as broadcasters, we're stuck up in the broadcast box all night. You don't get to, the chance to socialise between races. Not these days, anyway. Once upon a time we did. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to that for sure. Oh, well, we look forward to um, perhaps seeing you around the track or having you down here in Victoria. And perhaps you never know... Um, you might call a race or two, Paul. There might be an opportunity. But, um, look, I hope everything goes well for you in retirement and you enjoy it. And um, 
thanks for bringing us so many great calls over the years. Thanks, Simone. Look, I'd like to thank everybody for their, their great support since I announced my retirement. Um, no, it, it's out the door next Thursday night. This coming Thursday night's my last night. And uh, Neil Brown, the chairman of Sandown, actually phoned me a couple of days ago and said, how about coming down to the Melbourne Cup and calling a race on Melbourne Cup night? I said, Brownie, I'm retiring. I'm not making a comeback after come. People say, I thought he retired. What's he doing popping up here and there? I said, I'll, I'll come down and present a trophy or do whatever you want. But no, there'll be no comeback, Simone. I've had a great, great time and um, I think you just bow out and... Uh, and right off into the sunset. Oh, well, best of luck, Paul, with everything that um, happens from now on in. Thanks for your interest. Thank you. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. This will be greyhound racing like you've never seen before. 20 electric rapid-fire head-to-head match races all just seven minutes apart. Speed Star Racing returns to Sandown Park this Sunday, September 16, with a twilight start. Be on, your, be on track for your chance to win more than $20,000 in the lucky last man standing competition. It's exciting, it's fast and it's pumping. It's Speedstar. This Sunday from 5.30pm. Sandown Park, we love the dogs. More info at sandowngreyhounds.com.au It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Run of the week time, Simone. Who you got for us? Extreme Dust Justice, a debut run at Shepparton over the 450 during the week in 25 and 27, winning by 11 lengths. Uh, dog to follow from last week? Mystery Jet uh, ran a second at Shepparton on Thursday night, led and was just beaten on the post in 25-30. And my dog to follow this week, Trent, is Yakari. Eight starts now for six wins and two placings, a 21-88 run at Shepparton, and it has been successful with coursing as well. What's your best bet for the weekend? Race two, number two, Zalzar Allen tonight at the Meadows. Super quick early and races very well at this venue. What's coming up? We know the, the speed star front and centre tomorrow. What else are we? What else can we look forward to? Also the final of the President's Cup at Horsham on Tuesday. Simone, it's been a big show, a very busy show. Enjoy your uh, speed star Sunday and we'll be back to do it all again next week. We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.